foundations of the Uban, 1866. Yes. The scholars never believed that it's possible for Allah to have power over lying. True? I mean, no one ever believed. You, yeah. you don't believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you don't say He has power over lying. This is bid'ah yeah. to say this. But Mawlana Rashid Ahmed Bungoy, one of the founders of the Uban, he held this belief and this is why he was refuted. And this is what led to the ikhtilaf. Now is your issue with the Diobandi, we're gonna, because it's referred to as that, with the Diobandi individual ulama within the Dioband, or the Diobandi school of thought which is generally... How I, do you define the... As, according to my limited understanding mm. and what we've been with learning in Madrasa, our school of thought, like because of the Dersa Nizamiya that we go through, our school of thought is categorized so-called Diobandis, We are actually Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah. But what, what would you say, what makes that distinction by categorizing yourself to Yobandi? Is it based Basic. on the teachings of uh, Mawlana Qasim Nanotwi and Mawlana Rashid Ahmed Gungoy? It would be, wouldn't it? Uh, that would, what would yes. what it would be referred so to. Th- because those two were the founders of the Yobandi. Yeah. And both of them came out with beliefs which contradicted Ahl Sunnah. Yes. And, and if they and did that, they're wrong. I, I agree. You agree with that, yeah? If they, any man is prone to error, and if they did that, they're wrong. Then you shouldn't, you should say, if you go back to your teachers, yeah. and you say, if Mawlana Rashid Ahmed Gungo and Qasim Nanuti made mistakes, we don't follow them in their mistakes, and we don't categorize ourselves as Diobandi, then you're my Sunni brother. Do you understand? Okay, and then... But they, your teachers won't accept this. So today, I said... Yeah. Aside from Al-Imam Ahmed Khan, if I put his books aside yeah. and I go into other ulama, yeah. a majority of the Sunnis will accept me as a Sunni. Yes. They'll say he's still a Sunni because he's following. They may, some of them may feel, oh, look, he's not... Uh, But do you categorize yourself as a Baralvi? No, a Sunni, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And I categorize myself as a Sunni, yes. Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. But you said you're Diobandi. No, I said that's like, so even if you look at it in, in like uh, our country, the situation, I stand for correction. But generally, if you're on the Tablighi side of things, or if you are, are not, are you not, uh, basically, you don't make salami, if you don't make salami, and if you don't uh, hold certain beliefs and dress codes, then you're regarded as a Baralvi. If, if you, as a Diobandi. You yeah, as a, as a Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah. So look, you know, <coughs> the Diobandi is over the board. They're very confused. Because some of them, what they do is they align themselves with the, the Salafis in, uh, you know, the pseudo-Salafi movement in Saudi Arabia, what yes. they call Wahhabism. Yeah, yeah. Like Rashid Ahmed Gungoy in his Fatawa, he says uh, that Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab was a reviver of Islam and a great man. And he praises him. You wouldn't agree with that, would you? No. Now, if you went back to your teachers and you told them that I disagree with Mawlana Rashid Ahmed Gongoy saying Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab is a reviver of Islam and yeah. a great person, your teachers will renounce you. I guarantee you that. Go and try it. Uh, likewise... No, but as Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah in what we taught by our teachers, the only people, person, Anbiya alayhi salam, are saved from error. Any man can make error. So... 
you would say you renounce that belief of Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, yes? The, yes. The Wahhabi yes, creed. Yes, 100%. Likewise, you renounce uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala having power over lying. That's and then over? lying, lying to lie. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 100%. Yes. So now the Adiyobandi creed, I mean, yes. as a tenet of faith, yeah. they believe it's possible. They uh, believe it's possible. And uh, now Diobandi is not our creed. No, I know. But the people who. Uh, the ulama of Diobandi were Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Uh, no, because they held those creedal points. Now there were few, maybe few ulama. Not all of them hold that one. Yeah. You know, that particular point. Yeah, not so, all. No, they all defended. Yeah. So, who refuted it? For instance, you'll find in uh, Mahmud al Hassan's fatawa the same position. Gungoy, yeah. They defended uh, Rashid Ahmed Gungoy's position. And so many of them defended till today. It's become like a creedal point that they, they defended. Like you know, like a cultish type yeah. behavior, but they won't say he was wrong on that one position, and we don't take from him on that one position. This is where the the main distinction does is. It, uh, so this is your issue with the open the ulama. This one issue, they have many issues. They, for instance, they have a, you know, Qasim Nanotwi, the one of the founders of the open. He wrote a book called Tahvirun Nas, and in that book, he mentions uh, he tries interpreting. The verse of the Quran, which mentions Khatam and Nabiyyin, the finality of prophets, and he says, this has nothing to do with time necessarily, because the Prophet ﷺ, you know, do you read the Mirqat, the book in Mantiq? Yeah. In the commentary on the Diobandi, you got the Sherkoti, I think, his commentary on the the Diobandi commentary. He even mentions this in the introduction. He says. The pro- and the Rashid Ahmed Gungoy, um, uh, Qasim Nanoti says this, that the Prophet is the only finality of prophethood in essence. Uh, he's the only prophet. He can choose other people to be prophets. The other prophets are not prophets in essence. They are prophets Aradi, you know Aradi. He says they are Aradi and the Prophet is Zati. This is first innovation. Secondly, he says, Khatumun Nabiyyin refers to if another prophet came in the timeline, it would not be violated. Because it's nothing to do with the timeline, it's to do with the Prophet being the, the, the prophet of essence and the others are Aradi. So, based on this, the many scholars refuted him, including, you know, Abdul Haylaknawi, the uh, yes. famous uh, Muhaddith. Yes. He refuted uh, Qasim Nanotwi. He, he wrote an introduction to a refutation. Now, are these ijtihadi errors? You see, the masala is not ijtihadi. It's ijtihadi which entails kufr. So he did. He may have done ijtihad, but the, the, the result was kufr, disbelief. So then, what they identify as Barelvi, before Imam Ahmad Rita Khan, there were so many scholars who refuted him. Like, uh, there's a scholar called Ghulam Dastaqeer Qusuri who refuted uh, Rashid Ahmed Gungoy on the Kizb issue, on lying. So I'm saying to the Diobandi ulama, this is what was being discussed, I'm saying to the Diobandi ulama, you got an issue with Al-Imam Ahmed Khan. I believe he's a great scholar. If we place him aside and we look at other Sunni ulama who refuted Diobandi ulama, there are so many, meaning, they make it that to Tulab al-Ilm like yourself that Ahmad uh, Rida Khan Barelvi was one isolated scholar who refuted the Diobandi ulama and he caused division. This is not the case because there were other ulama before him like Fadlul Haq Khairabadi refuted Ismail al-Dahlwi. Now Ismail al-Dahlwi is held in high regard by Diobandi ulama. He wrote a book called Taqwiyatul Iman in 1821 which is Wahhabism. It's not even... Uh, Maturidi Aqidah, it's not uh, Sunni Aqidah, it's Wahhabism. So some of the Darul Ulums of the Oban, they teach Taqwiyat al-Iman, they respect Ismail al-Dahlawi with great reverence. Uh, and uh, Rashid Ahmed Gungoy and Qasim Nanoti followed his methodology and innovated so many different things. Then what happened is any prominent graduate who came from Darul Ulum, the Oban, they adopted that creed and defended that creed. So it became like a school of uh, like the Mu'tazila. So the, the Sunni ulama who identified them, they start labeling them as Barelvi, Barelvi, Barelvi. But it's not only Imam Ahmed Khan. There was other scholars like in the Middle East, 
الشيخ محمود الاطار مفتي اوف دماسكس هي روت ا فتوى اجينست رشيد احمد غنغول اند ذا انتروداكشن واز ريتن باي الامام يوسف النبهاني رحمه الله اند ذن يو نو ان حسام الحرمين ذا فتوى الامام احمد رضا خان بليست اون ذا فور ديوبندي ايلدرز ذات واز سايند باي سكالرز اوف مكه المكرمه ان المدينه المنوره ذن ذي روت المهند على المفند اند ذي هاف يو ريد المهند If you go back to Al-Muhannad, they have so many errors in Al-Muhannad also. Then Al-Muhannad was refuted by a sawar in Mulhindiya. 200 Indian ulama refuted them. They said, you guys are adopting a wrong creed here. So it's basically a school that is Hanafi in Furur, but Wahhabi influence in creed. In Aqeedah. Yeah. Wahhabi influence in certain points in creed which they are incorrect. Okay now okay now I understand 100% what you're saying and I agree that if these Deoband the ulama if they incorrect in what they're saying we have to accept that they incorrect and I'm not a bigot on being a Deoband but what I understand is my aqida is is Ash'ari or Maturidi That's fine. and I understand my fiqh is I'm making taqlid of Imam Abu Hanifa but now when not to cause any conflict But when you come to the issue of Barelvism within South Africa, or maybe my understanding of it, you come to pointers like Hadir wa Nadir, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi being Hadir and Nadir, and you come to things like Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi being Alimul Ghaib instead of Ilmul Ghaib, and things of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi being Nur instead of Bashar. Okay. Now we'll what is your one, take? We'll go one, one by one. Okay. We got somewhere though, because yes. you agree with me on uh, what you... Yes? Yes. <coughs> Remember one thing, because you're South African, uh, the creed of uh, Sunni Muslims was predates Al-Imam Ahmed Khan even in South Africa. So you know Sufi Saab in Durban, yeah. he was uh, not, you wouldn't label him Diobandi or Barilvi, would you? I don't know. I don't know. He, was, he died in 1309, I think. Yes? Yeah. Al-Imam Ahmed Khan passed away in 1340. So he was a scholar who came before. But anyhow, going on to the issues. Most of those those three issues you mentioned, Hadir wa Nadir, Ilmul Ghaib, and Noor, you are taught the incorrect interpretation of that in your Diobandi Madaris to make the Sunni uh, belief look like shirk. I'd give you how. Hadir wa Nadir does not mean the Prophet means here, 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 here. It doesn't mean that. It means that the Prophet the actions of his nation are presented to him in his barzakh. That, that is our aqidah. Listen, let me finish this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives prophets the ability, like he gave Musa salam, the ability to stand up in his grave and pray, but then the Prophet met him in Al-Quds al-Sharif, then he met him in the heaven, sixth heaven. If the Prophet sallam, uh, his body Al-Jismul Mubarak always remains in the grave. But if the Prophet ﷺ comes in the dream of a believer, or oh, they see him in a wakeful state, this is possible. Yes, 100%. Yes, this concept is called Hadir wa Nadir. Why do they call it Hadir wa Nadir? Hadir doesn't mean, uh, in this meaning, it doesn't mean he's present here and right now. It means his ruh, the ruh of the Prophet ﷺ, is able to observe the actions of his nation. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. But but the term like the, the term now. Ha- like now, I just want to clarify one thing, because of what's a common tradition is example. If we have to stand up to make salat al nabi, now what will happen is in certain places where I went, a chair will be placed. Example. Okay. I'll listen. I've been doing salat salam all my life. I've yes. never seen this. Okay. Yes. Yes. I've attended most. Uh, mosques in UK which people call Barelvi and now I'm attending in South Africa I've not seen this but this is not a position of a scholar so the things I mentioned to you about Diobandi I didn't say to you Diobandi uh, laymen are doing this and the mm. bligis do this and no I went on to their scholars they hold this as a position All right, yes right. so when you, you because you're a talib you have to be scholarly in your so if there's some ignorant people doing a Like I went to uh, to visit Sufi Sahib's grave and someone kissed the grave. Now that doesn't mean that Alimam Ahmed Rida Khan held this position. Is the man was the man who did this is ignorant of that action. I correct him. 
Is that right, correct? Right, right. This is yes. the first time I'm understanding something. Like yes. So, right. I hope the Rizvi guy is listening as well. So, <laughs> so now in this regard, Hadir wa Nadir is this is what it means. Now, someone can say I disagree with the term. Yes. 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 You know, bread is you can call it chapati, you can call it roti, mm. you can call it bread, you can call it different names. Mm. So someone, the Diobandi ulama could have said, we disagree with the term because it can give the wrong impression, but we agree with the concept. Yes? Right. Moving on to the second one, Alimul Ghaib. Imam Ahmad Ridakhar, he writes in a Dawlatul Makiyah that we do not use the term Alimul Ghaib because, uh, not because in that meaning is it, it is incorrect, it's because it can give the false impression to a person that the Meaning when they ascribe ilmul ghaib, knowledge of the unseen to the Prophet means simply Allah gave him knowledge of the unseen. So verses of the Quran like وَمَا هُوَ عَلَى الْغَيْبِ بِضَانِينَ He is not stingy with the unseen. Mm. Yes? Yes. Um, verses of Al-Quran Al-Kareem عَالِمُ الْغَيْبِ فَلَا يُظْهِرُ عَلَى غَيْبِهِ أَحَدًا Yes? yes. So the knower of the unseen, he doesn't reveal the gaib to anyone except uh, the one he is pleased with from the messengers. This is what Barelvis believe, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him immense knowledge. But go back, now you're a talib ilm, go back to Imam Ahmad Khan's books. But not only him, there's so many scholars. But Meaning we're not limited to one man. Yeah. If you, Like now, if that is listening, if we place the Imam Ahmed Khan's books on the side and we go to other ulama, mm. they all say the same. Which means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him immense knowledge but there's a distinction between the knowledge of Allah and the knowledge of the Prophet Allah's knowledge is eternal. Yes. The knowledge of the Prophet is created. Yes. Allah's knowledge has no beginning. The knowledge of the Prophet has a beginning. Yes. Allah's knowledge has no end. The knowledge of the Prophet has an end which Allah knows. The knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't, it's not added unto. The knowledge of the Prophet is always increasing. Yes? Currently. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. yes always right, increasing right. in yes. the grave and yeah. Allah is always teaching him. This is the ilmul ghaib belief of Barilis. But now, what you call Barilis. And I, in a kitab I read, I read one kitab, Allah, it just slipped from my mind, an English kitab, on each of these points were brought forward. And Dalil there was given from Quran to prove Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was given. It was a kitab written by Abrelvi. But again, he was a scholar, but maybe not a scholar on the, on the category of Imam Ahmad Raza Khan. But now the, the issue there was, he said, gave an example. He said, the Obandis believed that maybe that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam no, it was written there that Nabi Sallallahu knew what was uh, 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 on the occasion what baby was in the stomach of a woman. But now the aqidah is that Nabi Sallallahu knew on that occasion, but not that he knows every baby in every woman's stomach. Is that correct? Okay, look. If theoretically speaking, we say Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is able to reveal the knowledge of the babies in the stomach of every living woman to a person. Is this possible? Yes. It's possible. So it can never be shirk because Allah can reveal it to someone. For Allah it's uh, not complete knowledge because Allah's knowledge is endless. Yes. So like angel of death can know every person who will die, he knows. But it's not shirk. You're not equating the knowledge to Allah, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah's knowledge is beyond that. Yeah. So. Firstly, it falls in the, you know, in uh, theology you have the three judgments, possible, impossible, necessary. This would fall under possible. So, I, those person who believes this can never be a mushrik. Yeah. Yes? But it's incorrect. So, now we go on to, is it proven from the Quran and Hadith? Yeah. So, this is where the discussion goes on to, was the knowledge of the five things revealed to the Prophet in totality? And the scholars have a dispute. Five? Five things. Yeah. You know the five things. Uh, the five things are when the day of judgment shall occur. Oh, Jesus. What is in the wombs? Yeah. What weather it will be tomorrow? Yeah. What a person will earn and where a person will die? Yes? Yeah. These are the knowledge of the five things which are mentioned in one of the surahs of Al Quran. I think Surah Al Luqman. Yes? Those five things. 
can Allah reveal the complete knowledge to someone in makhluk? We say yes. One group of scholars held the position that partial knowledge of this was revealed to Rasulullah Some scholars said towards the end of his life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it all to him. Yes? Now, both positions are correct. But Imam Ahmad Khan held the first position that towards the end of his life, the life of the Prophet on earth, the knowledge of the five things was revealed to him because the Quran has knowledge of all of this. So, uh, Al Quran Al Kareem is the, is the book uh, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, La ratbum wa la yabisun illa fi kitabim mubin. There is no nothing wet and nothing dry except illa fi kitabim mubin. And he said, Kitab Mubin is Quran. So because the knowledge of the Quran and its interpretation was revealed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this knowledge to the Prophet the way he revealed it to angel of death, the death of every person, the way he will reveal it to Israfil alayhi salam, the day of judgment. Now this opinion is held by scholars prior to Ahmad Radha Khan. There were scholars who were contemporary to him like Al-Imam Muhammad bin Ja'far al-Kattani from Morocco who held the same view. There was Al-Imam Abdul Hay al-Kattani from Morocco who held the same view, contemporaries. And they all cite previous ulama who held this position as well, like Al-Imam Zurqani and others. Al-Imam Ibn Hajar Makki. They have so many scholars who held this view. Then, the scholars who held another view, they said, some of the knowledge of the five things was revealed, and the rest was not. Now, what happened with the Diobandi ulama, they didn't... What they what where was the mistake of the Diobandi ulama? The Diobandi ulama, instead of debating him on the partial or complete, <coughs> the first mistake they did was they would give examples where ostensibly the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't know something and they would say, look, he doesn't know. Look, he doesn't know. Look, he doesn't know. And this led to an insulting behavior. The second major mistake they did was the scholar Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thanwi wrote the book Hifzul Iman. When in discussing this thing, he ended up insulting the Prophet ﷺ because he said, if the Prophet ﷺ knows what's inside of graves, what's so special regarding the Prophet ﷺ? And then he said, because X, Y, and Z will also know this. He mentions bad things, you know, it's not worth repeating that. And this is why the fatwa was placed on him. So what the Diobandis, the third mistake that the Diobandis made is they started defending the statement of Ashraf Ali Tanwi like as if he is Ma'asum. Instead they should have said this is a mistake and refuted that mistake. If they held a partial view, this is one of the positions of Ahl-Sunnah and the other one is a position of Ahl-Sunnah. But then they started misinterpreting what Al-Imam Ahmad Khan is saying by saying, oh he's equating Allah's knowledge with the Prophet which is false. They even told a Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda, you know from Syria, a Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda. A Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda, when he, he, he brought out an edition of uh, Anwar Shah Kashmiri's book on, you know, Nuzul of uh, Descent of Isa Ali Salam, a Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda doesn't know who Imam Ahmad Khan was. He just says, he just calls him Al Barelvi. And he writes, This Barelvi claimed that the knowledge of Allah and the Prophet is equal, except. Uh, the knowledge of the Prophet was given to him and that's it, that's the only difference. Now that's a misquote. So, who informed the Shaykh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda of this? The ulama of Diyoband. To misinform scholars regarding one Sunni scholar. So this is with regard to Ilmul Ghaib. The third issue you brought up, Noor and Bashar. The on that one, on Ilmul Ghaib, with uh, regards to Rasulullah Wasallam knowing the, the exact time of Qiyamah. What is the position? That would fall into the knowledge of the five things. So in a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said it's on a Friday. Yes? yes? The Prophet ﷺ even told that when it will occur, two men will be folding a cloth. And meaning he had partial knowledge is agreed. The, the specific day is the issue of dispute. Hmm. But it can never be shirk. Okay. That's the main... Because like hadith al when... Mal that's one of the proofs they use, but do you know there's commentators in the Arba'een who write he didn't know it. 
there's Sunni ulama, the meaning from before Al Imam Muhammad Al Taqan. Pardon? Out of humility. humility. Yes. Okay. So, meaning the issue is not an issue of kufr and uh, iman, but ilm, uh, alimul ghaib is a is a he, quality. He says you don't use the term. Okay. The he says you don't use complete the term. knowledge of the unseen is something only given to only it's Compl- a, uh, it's Allah's. What did I say? Knowledge of Allah is everlasting and eternal. Yes. So, so we uh, on no basis parelvis or ahl sunnah wal jama'ah do we take that uh, that we do not equate no 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 you don't ascribe the attribute of Allah to the Prophet okay. yes 100% correct. yes yes the third uh, issue that you brought up was uh, Nur and Bashar the no anyone who negates Bashar commits kufr Yes, because yes. the Quran says, "Qul inna ma ana basharum mithlukum yuhaaliya inna ma ilahukum ilahum wahid." So, we believe is bashar. The only thing that the what they calling barelvis is not the barelvi belief, is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created a light, and that was the light of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that is a part of his being. It doesn't negate his humanness. Where is this proven from? From hadith. So the, that's where the, the discussion regarding the hadith of Jabir nuri. Was Imam Ahmad Khan the only one to affirm this hadith? The answer is no You know Abdul Hayy Laknawi yes. yes, I read about it He has a, a book called Al-Atharul Marfu'a ahadith al-Mawdu'a Unforged hadith When he comes across nuri, He authenticates the hadith You heard of Ismail Al-Ajluni the author of Kashful Khafa, a 11th century scholar on Ulumul Hadith, when he comes across the Hadith, Awwalu ma khalaqallahu nuri, he says, Sahih Hadith. Al-Imam Zurqani, he's a scholar, the author of um, the Al-Mawahibu al uh, He has a, uh, this, he, you know, the commentary on that also, on that book. He also authenticates the hadith. So Imam Ahmad Khan was not alone. So how did they do propaganda again? They'll tell students like you, they don't believe he was a prophet. They believe uh, they don't believe he was a man. They believe he was light only. But they don't say that. The, the Sunni belief is he was a man. But he was so special that Allah created a light which was in him. And the Sahaba would see this. Like when, uh, you know, in the Shama'il, what does Anas bin Malik say? And the Prophet entered Al Madinatul Manawara, everything became illuminated. And when we buried him, the light disappeared. So there was a physical light that Allah created in him, and that would be visible. His humanness was uncomparable to anyone because when he would sweat, his sweat would be perfume. If he didn't um, uh, do hot of the beard, you know, so the, the Prophets, the beard stays smart. If they don't bathe, they remain clean. If they don't wash the clothes, the clothes remain clean because the clothes are attached to them. Meaning the flies never sat on the body of the Prophet. So this is what Imam Ahmad Khan advocated. But the Diobandis opposed this. And they said, no, you believe he's, he's not a human. But they, he did believe he's a human, but unlike any other human. So, so now, Sheikh, if, if any person has to hold the view like example I'll give you an example so you understand where I'm coming from I attended a function a while back and during that function everyone now stood up for salami so then I stood up and then I, I walked out right after I walked out and then after we were in the reception area I went to go greet one of the uncles all the uncles from there so he told me no when the Prophet وسلم, was there you never greeted him now you want to come greet me now again. Now I I know I understand that is that is He's not a the common view. man. Yeah? yeah, I understand. But I'm saying a person who holds that view, what is your take on him? Is is he is he correct or is it incorrect his belief? What you do with such a person is you sit him down the way I'm sitting you down. Yes. And you explain nicely to him, Uncle, this is, uh, we don't know if the Prophet came because we can't see his ghaib. But we know that our action is being presented to him. Yes. yes? So next time you should stand in salami with the what intention? What that my salam will be, be presented, which is correct. I, I don't. So now you're a Sunni. You're yes. not a <laughs> Okay, but one more thing. <laughs> wait, 
Because so this is repeat that again. Everyone listen to this. This is the perception you've had by seeing certain things. This is why I want to tell people in South Africa mm. that my approach to the towards the Diobandis that you're seeing is in order to bring Diobandis into Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah because so much of them have misconceptions regarding our belief. But Sheikh, I'll tell in the same way, marrying what you're saying. As many Diobandis need to be brought into Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah. Many Baralvis on the same light have to be bring, brought into Ahlus. I mean, layman, layman, yes. Right. But I'm, I want to just. I'm talking about the scholars, the Ubandi scholars. Now, what happened? What happened? Maybe you see the a difference? week ago. A week ago, my great grandmother passed away. So I attended, and they are my great. They were of Baralvis. So I attended the janaza, and as the janaza was, they brought the body in, and the sheikh started reading there. So he read Surah Yasin. After that, he started making du'a. And in his du'a, my Urdu is not so polished, but pesh ayah means to present, if I'm not mistaken. So he firstly said, present her in front of Khwaja. Uh, hey, I forgot now. No, no. Mohidin uh, Chishti, rahimallah. And then few other things he said, and then he said, may she be touched by the chadar of Fatima, radiallahu anha. Now, all these kind of beliefs, I'm not saying it's the beliefs of the scholars of I won't categorize as Barelvis anymore. Scholars of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Categorizing Ahmad Radha Khan under that barrier if he was Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. What I'm saying is these are the, the general beliefs of from what I'm seeing from my of perspective. Of lay people within our yeah, country. Look, look, look. Now where did all of this spring okay. from? Okay. This firstly we've it's good we've got somewhere, yes? Yes, one hundred percent. These beliefs existed before Imam Ahmed Khan, yes? So he wasn't responsible for this. Because he one man can't be that influential that you go to Morocco and people believe in some similar things like this. You go to Malawi and the African people believe in this, yes? Yeah. You go into uh, different parts of the world. What you are going into now is the realm of fiqh and not aqidah. Why? You can correct, you know why it's fiqh, it's not aqidah now. You can correct the layman and go to the layman and say, look, you should not word your dua like this. Mm. You should word your dua like this. Because your wording is incorrect, because it may give the incorrect impression to the one listening. This is fiqh now, mm. not aqidah. Mm. Yes. But, but if, 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 no, but if, if the, the, the imam at the, at the, on the musalla is making a dua like that, then it's a issue Again, of aqidah. No, even then. Because he, he what he's doing is he's presenting wasila. But wasila, even according to the Ubandi ulama, is not shirk. Yeah, wasila. But, but what he's doing is... Even istighatha. Yes, you agree on istighatha. Yeah, yes? I checked the debate on it. Yes, you agree yeah. on istighatha. Ah, yes. Very good. So, <laughs> the wording is a problem, yes? Okay. Me and you are in agreement on that. They need to refine the wording. Like now, like statements like... I, according to what I, my ustads, I posed this question to them. They said saying ka or ya, although it's used for the hadir tense, but if a person is your near... You don't nahmir. In nahmir, he mentions ya is for far and close. Yeah. But uh, no... Half but, is for far and close. But if, if I'm saying ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with the belief that this is being listened to, by Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and not presented to him. Is that the act of shirk or not? No. Why? That's not shirk as well. Why? You know, hearing from far and seeing from far, mm. is it the attribute of Allah? No. Allah sees and hears all. Yes. Not from far and close. Yes. So if someone says the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa hears from far, is he equating him with Allah? No, but no. that. But now, say example. If I'm saying Ya Rasulullah, Ya, and Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and thousands of people across the world are saying Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In order for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to hear all of that at the same time, from far or close, he'd have to be all hearing. All right, no, look, he wouldn't have to. You know why? Why? Because all hearing is not limited to a million people. All hearing is beyond that. Yes. Yes. When we say Allah's as-sami, does Allah's all hearing, but does He hear colors? No. He does. You need to read aqidah properly. 
You know, Al-Basir, Allah is all seeing. Does he see sounds? He does, meaning because he's hearing and seeing is beyond that. Okay, right. We yeah. haven't come to this. The Ubandis generally can't teach Aqeedah. <laughs> I tell you, no, they darul alone. But we do Aqeedah to Tahawi. No, I'm talking about the Kalam. Ilmul Kalam is weak. Very weak. They need to really learn from real Asharis like me. Yes? But the, the, the thing is, the uh, when we say, let's say a million people the Prophet hears, can Allah create this ability in the Prophet Is it from mustahil, wajib, or jaiz? It is jaiz. Jaiz. So are there hadith for this? The answer is yes. So that's when you look at the hadith. The Prophet said, you know, there's so many hadith for this. One example is uh, in Tirmidhi, the Prophet went up and he heard from the angels talking and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, can you hear them? Uh, do you understand what they are saying? And he said, no. So he said, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed his yad on my chest and uh, of course we agree that that's not a limb yeah, but yeah. and the Prophet <laughs> said I knew what they were saying so Allah created that ability in him yes. likewise uh, the, uh, the Prophet in a hadith in Tabarani the Prophet said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised for me the world and I look at it like the way one of you looks at the palm of your hand Yes, that's a hadith in Tabarani. That hadith is authenticated even by Wahhabi scholars. You know, there's a Wahhabi called At-Tawajiri. At-Tawajiri authenticates the hadith. He says it's Sahih. And that's what uh, Imam Muhammad Khan, that's what he quotes hadith. Another example is in Sahih Muslim. The Prophet said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened for me the Mashariqul Ard and Magharibul Ard. Yes, and I knew what was in them. I knew the kingdom of my nation. So, like this, there are so many hadith that it cannot be shifted. It's similar to Angel of Death knowing uh, he, Angel of Death, you know, you read Sharh al-Sudur of Imam Suyuti. Uh, you need to read it. He has a hadith that he says, the Angel of Death looks at like a pot with seeds and he can pick and choose anyone. Now, it's not shirk because it's still limited when compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so out of respect we don't say that we, we, we make the distinction we say Allah's knowledge is eternal endless wajib the knowledge of the makhluk but what the Diyabandi ulama ended up doing they start saying what's special about the Prophet even X, Y and Z knows this so this is where Khalil Ahmed Sahara Furi he ended up saying in Barahine Qatia that the if the Prophet knows this, this is not specific to him. Angel of Death knows this, which is fine because Angel of Death is respectable. But then he said, even Shaitan knows this and this and this. So Imam Ahmad Khan gripped him on that issue as well. This is a fourth issue that they were gripped on. But in, in that statement, he's making a, a general statement. It's not but an attack the, on the personage of the So, so when they defend this statement, they said uh, Imam Ghazali said something similar. They said this. You, you recognize Imam Ghazali? Listen, listen. Yes, yeah. of course. He's oh, one okay. of our scholars, not yours. Al-Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, when you check his ihya, uh, when you check the statement, you know what Imam Ghazali does? He says about the angels, he doesn't mention shaitan. You go back to the statement, it's mm. different. Because angels uh, have rusul as well. So if you're comparing angels with the Prophet it's fine. But you can't put shaitan into that. But this is the end of uh, my discussion with you. Yeah. I'm sure I gave you a good summary. 100%. Yes? Can I ask you one last question? Go on. As a tabligh jamaat, because I take play, uh, my life changed, alhamdulillah, through spending time in... The, with the, excluding the fact that my Ilyas rahmatullah Ali was a diobandi, with the tabligh jamaat itself, do you have any issues? Listen, we don't, we don't do takfir of layman yes? yes so you know lay people like i don't do takfir of you i don't say you're a kafir yes yes, yes. and what we the, all what the effort then what the, what the what the work of tabligh what it is we've got a Dawat islami which is a sunni tabligh yeah. so you can join them 
Undoubtedly. No, but I know, but what I'm asking, what I'm asking, do you have any issue? Most of the people are lame people, yes? Yes. I don't call them kafir. They're normal people. Some of them may be good people. But I don't know who's at the top. Who's in charge? I don't know anything about them. I don't know what they spread. What do no, they spread? He, no, our, do they teach the Ubandi beliefs? No, no our tabliq, tabliq, basically, this is, is based on the da'wah we give is six I'll tell you why I do understand of tabliq. Why I know of tabliq is that tabliq, firstly, they only do tabliq to Muslims. Yes. Which is, <coughs> in my opinion, incorrect. Secondly, they... It's used and utilized to spread the Ubandi beliefs. So, if I'm a normal lay person, I have a Sufi background, I'm a Sufi. Uh, Tabliq knocks my door, they say, brother, come and pray. I think these are good Muslims. When I come close to them, after I spend one year, two years, they'll brainwash me into thinking Barelwis are, uh, they Barelwis believe this, Barelwis. I beg to differ. Yeah? No, I'm telling my impression. Oh, okay. The third issue is, uh, they may tell people, Mawlid is bid'ah, yes? Yes. But then they can't justify why 40 days is allowed. <laughs> right. I, I look. Do you agree? I know they'll put it under the banner of Bid'ah Hasana. <laughs> Which thing? 40 days? 40 days, yes. Rabban Mawlid. Is Mawlid Bid'ah Hasana? And you know. But actually, in actual speaking, Allah, there is no. You can't categorize it as Bid'ah Hasana, is it? Mawlid. No, anything is Bid'ah Hasana. No, you can. In, uh, but, in kullu, but no, about Kullu Bid'atin Dhalala. Listen, you know your understanding Kullu Bid'at in Dalal is not Hanafi now. It's Saudi. <laughs> because that, uh, you know, even Al Muhannad Al Al Mufannad, Saharam Furi's book, um, the book that was written uh, by the Dubandi Ulama with the question and answers, they say to the Arab Ulama, we believe in Qiyam and we believe in Mawlid. Do you know this? No, I So, which one is, which face of the Ubandi is the real face? Because when they meet Saudi scholars, they say, we follow Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, but when they meet Sufi Arab scholars, they say we follow uh, Al Muhannad. Did, did you know this? No. But no. Let, let me tell you with the hadith, Kullu Bidat in Dalala. You've done Usulu Shashi in your madrasa. Not yet. Okay. They've done, they, both of them have done. Okay, you guys can listen as well. You know you have Al Aam Makhsusul Ba'ad, general statement with some specifics. I heard. Yes? Like you have Kullu Ain in Zania. Every eye is fornicating. Yes. But there are exceptions, because the prophets, Ali Musalam, their eyes do not commit mm. fornication. So, is kullu bid'atin dalala aamun makhsusul ba'd? Is it a general statement with specifics? <laughs> we say yes. Like how the hadith states, "Man sanna fil Islami sunnatan sayyatan falahu wizruha wa wizru man amila aliha." Whoever instates in Islam a bad practice, he will have the sin, and the sin of those who act on it. وَمَنْ سَنَّ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ سُنَّةً حَسَنَةً فَلَهُ أَجْرُهَا وَأَجْرُ مَنْ عَمِلَ عَلَيْهَا Yes? Whoever instates in Islam a good practice, he will have the reward of it and those who act according to it. So Salih al-Uthaymeen, you know the Salafi Wahhabi scholar, he writes, this Sunnatan Hasanatan refers to a prophetic act. It does not refer to a new act. But that's incorrect because the Hadith states, Sunnatan Sayyatan. There's no prophetic act which is bad. Mm. So it's general. Mm. The wording is what? General. So, and also the hadith states, Man fi amrina ma laysa Whoever introduces a new in thing which is not from it, mm. it is rejected. So that means if a new practice has an origin <coughs> in the Sunnah, it's allowed. You can justify 40 days from this. Yeah, that's how yes. they justify it. But how do you justify Milad? The Prophet ﷺ fasted every Monday. Yeah. He was asked, in Sahih Muslim, why do you fast? He said, because it's the day I was, the, the, I was born and the Yom Awulitu, Fihi, and the day it was revealed, the Quran was revealed. Also in Muslim al-Bazaar, he sacrificed a goat on his, on his birthday. Yes, Aqiqah. He done Aqiqah on his birthday. This tells us any ibadah for Mawlid on Monday or any day, even on the 12th, is permissible. Mm. Yes? But the general rule of the Quran, قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَبِرَحْمَتِهِ فَبِذَلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُوا هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ is general that be happy with the favors of Allah. Now there's a Wahhabi who tried answering me on this. He said, 
this verse was revealed for a specific reason. But you know the qaida which states that the sabab al nuzul uh, the reason of revelation is not always limited to that, yeah, it can be stretched, general. Yeah. Yes, so showing happiness is similar to 40 days. But okay. one more thing I will ask you yeah. now a married young man, he gets married. After marriage, he impregnates his wife and then he goes on tabligh for a year. Yes, is it halal or haram? With the ijazat of his wife, if she yeah, is even with the ijazat. It's halal. It's halal. When the when if you see when the call came for Sahaba, I'll answer. Look, that was, you know, this is where tabligh is wrong, because there's a distinction between the Khalifa calling you for jihad, yes, and you know, like the national army, Sayyiduna Umar, he would send the armies out, he would give them a wage, they would have a wage. You know, when the Sahaba would go on jihad, they would get a wage as well. Because they'll get the ghanima, and then they were given the ghanima, and that was their wage. No, I know tabligh doesn't give wage to the people who go tabligh, but it's by choice. But when Sayyidina Umar sent the armies out, he went to say the Hafsa radiallahu anha, and he said, "How long can a woman?" Because of poem. Yeah, that poem, that the corners of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, "How long can a woman wait without her husband?" And she said, four months." And he would call them back every four months. Yes. Yes. Because it it would cause facade corruption otherwise. So that means, and that was a national army. They would give them a wage. So when tabligh do it for a year, it doesn't. It's not the same. Now you see. Now you see. But these are faro issues. Again, that is now something that is okay. Ulama go for a year, but it's advised that if you're gonna go for a year, you do it when you're not married. If you married and your wife says doesn't give you ijaza. Can you stay? And I think the thing is the da'wah of tabligh is a da'wah to iman. The fact they call it six. But how can you call Muslims to iman? They already Muslim. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Ahiyahi Waladina Aminu Aminu. I don't want to. Ya Yaladina Aminu Aminu. Yes. You know, if you go into the tafsir, see they're using that to justify tabligh to Muslims, iman when they call. Really, there's an agenda. The agenda was that when the Diobandi. The leaves came to the fore, and there was the disruption, and the fatwa, the Husam al-Haramain came. The tabligh was formed to revert the Indian Muslims back to Islam according to the Diobandis, by in a subtle manner, and that's how they were. You know, in South Africa, that's how Diobandism was able to propagate itself amongst because South Africa was always mainly Sufi, rooted in Sunni Sufi beliefs, meaning before Imam Ahmed Rida Khan, before him. And then the tabligh came after, and the tabligh converted. Like your granddad must have been a Sufi, true? Yes. You said your granddad. Yeah. Yes. And how they done it is they converted people to thinking, oh look, these guys they believe in shirk and bid'ah. But now, my method is the Ashari. My method is the is our method. Meaning me, I'm part of Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah. I but I do. We're very forthright. We're very clear. This is our beliefs. You must, we, uh, we won't say to you, brother, come on tabligh with me. We only learning basics. No, but can I tell you as a person, can I, can I just beg to differ with you as a person who spent four months jamaat where my life changed and then I spent the second four months pedal and I didn't nothing, nowhere, wallah, I'll tell you, today and clarify it for everybody. When you come out in jamaat, no one, you're not allowed to discuss ikhtilafi masail. You're not, uh, because it's, you see, the great usul. Never mind, look. But uh, that's that's not, tabligh, not let's leave the league discussion. Okay. Go back to the. But I, I want to ask you: Do you categorize yourself as a Baralvi? No. So Sunni. As a Sunni, and I categorize myself as a Sunni. Yes, but do you I'm say you're Sunni. Diobandi? Diobandi is what to to take myself away from the beliefs that are understood in this country of. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's omnipresence in it which is could be a misconception is very possibly a misconception and very possibly see that's the distinction but as myself as my aqeedah for what I've explained to you do you accept? yes because what you've explained to me is my aqeedah okay but the Dioband ulama don't hold what you believe but the Dioband ulama Nur and Bashar I've also learned it we learned this Bashar, we don't negate Bashar. 
any exactly what Sheikh said about me. In everything you said, in all three questions, what I posed to you, there's a kitab written ikhtilaf ummat. I don't know if you by Palanpur. No, not Palanpur. By Ludhiani. Yeah. But he has a lot of incorrect information. Okay, but Ludhian, and it's very poorly written. Okay, but okay, but Ludhian, we done a very poor job. Okay, but that that point is you brought up is exactly what he writes as our aqida is not the obandi because when we learn in madrasa as the i i i read you you studied dars and nizamia so we studying dars and nizamia is no way ever you know the distinction between your dars and nizamia and the one we teach what in our syllabus we do not have a single book of imam ahmed rida khan all the books are free before in your dars and nizamia you have books of the obandi ulama do you know this you are new way old <laughs> okay but but what i'm explaining to you is is it's wallah is new but you me. know what what you if you if you uh, if the diobandi ulama said what you're saying now yeah there'll there'll be no diobandi Yeah, you've become sunni and you don't even realize no i am uh, sunni sunni in give me a hug let's go sunni is in the term of ahlus sunnah wal jamaah i was always ahlus sunnah wal jamaah but jazakallah for your discussion jazakallah for you brothers here a good uh, a good uh, way of understanding how i discuss with diobandi people Okay, but, but you're not the obandi to me. <laughs> One more thing. You, you may have the, you know the the whole mark imama. <laughs> yeah. That's why I bought in Pakistan when I went for four months. <laughs> <laughs> but now I I want to just you want to ask a question about saying what? He'll explain that because he said he believes in istighatha. No, but istighatha to Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And istighatha. Okay, no. It's a very long discussion. But you can take my phone number. Okay. Yes. Tomorrow. I'll uh, give you my phone number. You can ring me from South Africa. I'll be in England. You can stay in contact. Then okay. we'll have discussions. Okay.